So here we are, finally, 2021. You know, I think 12 months ago, if anyone would have said or showed us a video of what 2020 was going to be, I think most of us would have run away, taken a mulligan. I'll pass on that one. But here we are, and we have been changed. Our culture has been changed. We have all, to some extent, been radically changed by the events of 2020. The good news is, Despite all the changes that have happened to us and around us, God has not changed. He is the same God. And we need to now seek to understand who this God is and how he is working in our very different world. And in doing that, that's how we will experience him. And that's where thriving takes place. And understanding who he is, how great our God is, joining him in what he's doing in this new, very different, very strange world, and then allowing him to transform us and to do his miraculous work that only he can do. Now, the series that we're going to start with is is thriving during difficult days. Now, you you may not be in the midst of difficult days. You, You may have Again, you may have transcended the pain and suffering of 2020. If you have, I wouldn't tell people they might egg you, all right? It's just out of spite. Because most of us have gone through very difficult days. Many right now in our congregation are going through very difficult days. Our staff prayer time this morning took a long time because of the the prayers that were needed for so many of our people. And you need to know, in this world, Jesus said, John 16, 33, you're going to have difficult days. Our peace is in the fact that he's overcome them, but we, we are going to go through them. Now, how is it that we're able to go through them and thrive? Well, that's what our, our text shows us today. The, the Bible is clear. Our text today is clear that the only hope of humanity is the one true God of the Bible. He is real and he is gracious. And there is none like him. He is the one true God. And he is the God of the Bible. And he's the God who will forgive. He's the God who will restore. He's the God who knows us fully and still loves us truly. Friends, he knows your secrets. He knows what you've done. He knows what's been done to you. And he loves you. And he has so much he wants to do in you. So much blessing that he can bring. He has the power. This God of the Bible, he's a personal God. He cares about each one of us. And he wants each one of us to know him and to love him and to obey him out of that love. He's willing to restore. He's willing to renew if we will but repent and believe. Listen how God is described. This text is about God. This text is not about our country or any country in particular. This text is about God. Make sure you use this text in, in, this, in this understanding, all right? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, beginning in verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people... If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This text teaches us who God is. God is a sovereign God. He controls all things for his glory to accomplish his purpose. 
He allows many things that we would know that He is God. And if we will turn to Him, if we will repent and believe in Him, there's healing. There's healing. But notice the big if. If. And then this descriptor. My people. You know, God was gracious to allow Israel to to be the people through which God brought the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the Messiah has come. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come as promised by the prophets through the line of the people of Israel. But now that Christ has come, and now that the Holy Spirit has come, there is now a new people. What does it mean to be God's people? When he says, my people, who is that? 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 9, tells us plainly. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God's people, his chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for his own possession can thrive. We can thrive in any and every circumstance. But what does that mean? Thriving. Well, I, mean, I, got, I couldn't believe the pushback I got when I announced our theme for 2021. I got, I got so much pushback on this. It was startling to me, but I understand there's a lot of hurt. There, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of, how dare you talk about thriving when I'm experiencing fill in the blank? How, you know, how can we thrive when we've got this kind of circumstance, these situations, these laws, these it depends on your definition. Let me, let me give you the definition that we're going to work off of this year. Thriving. Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God. The confidence to be intimate with God. The confidence that is able to say, God, I, I know that you see me. I want to see you. I want to know you intimately. I want to be changed by you. God, you are holy. I need you to make me holy. I want this intimate interaction between you and me. And that takes confidence. The confidence that only comes through the power of Christ and the gospel. So thriving, it begins with having confidence to be intimate with God and the contentment to obey God's commands. Many people are not content to obey God's commands. We want to obey what we want. We want to obey what our flesh desires. We want to have what we want to have, when we want to have it, the way we want to have it. But thriving doesn't come from having it your way. Thriving comes from being content to obey God's commands. Adam and Eve had it made. What messed them up? They refused to be content to obey God's commandments. And that's where we miss it. We miss so much. And we cannot thrive apart from the confidence to be intimate with God and the contentment to obey his commands all the while. Look at this. Trusting outcomes to God's capable care. And boy, the control freaks in the room. Can I get an amen? Because I'm one. Amen. We want to control the outcome. We want to know, okay, if I do this equation, X, Y, and Z is going to equal what I want. And that's just not how life works. It's certainly not how it works with God. God already knows the outcome. God already has the plan. Here's what we do. 
We say, God, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to walk with you. And I'm going to be content to do whatever you tell me to do. And in that contentment, I'm going to completely trust the outcomes to your capable care. Let me tell you something about God. He always knows what's best. He always does what's best. Read your Bible, especially the last book. He wins and what he brings is glorious. He knows what to do with you. He knows what to do with me. He knows what to do with us. And what he wants is best. And we are thriving, thriving when we have, we have this simple confidence to be intimate with him. This, this contentment to just say, I'm going to obey him. I know I want other things. I know the world's telling me, I'm just, I'm not going to make this complicated. I'm just going to be content to obey God. And whatever happens under his sovereign care, I'm cool with it because he's God and I'm not. He knows what's best and I don't. So I'm going to trust him. Now, only Christians can do this. If you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, you cannot thrive in this way. You can thrive in pretend ways, but you can't have true thriving as the Bible teaches. Because we as Christians, we can thrive because God's our dad. And our dad is in charge. And our dad has a plan and his plans always come to fruition. He always gets it done. You cannot stop our dad. He is good and he is powerful and he is going to work according to his will. Now we have many examples of people who are able to thrive. We have lots and lots of thriving people who go through very extreme difficulties. But for this series, we're going to take a close look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah is going to be the focus for the next few weeks. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, Whatever Bible reading plan you're doing, continue it on. For next week, before you come in Sunday, read Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. That's where we're going to start. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to make sure we're clear on terms. We're We're going to unpack some doctrine that will become the lens through which we see and understand Nehemiah and how thriving becomes a part of our life as we walk in the truth of God's word. So today is an important day and I'm so glad that you're here because these terms are going to help us. Our text today shows us what it looks like to thrive in our broken world and what we must choose. Look, God is absolutely sovereign. That means he's in control. But we are surely responsible. We are responsible for our decisions. And our decisions are a big deal. Never underestimate the power of a choice. The choices we each make don't just impact our lives, but the lives of everyone who loves us and who is near us. Our choices are crucial. We need to think through our choices. And and what I'm praying today, what my goal is today, is that each of us will choose to thrive. Our text shows us what it is to be thriving. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's, let's understand this. Let's get this. This is in, we're going to be in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. It helps us to understand what thriving is. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Let's all stand together in honor of God's holy word. 1 John chapter 1, I'll read beginning in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. This epistle written by the Apostle John is basically an overview of the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And if you read it in its entirety, and I would encourage you to do that. It's very short, five chapters. I would encourage you to sit down and just read it. Don't try to ignore the chapters and verse. Just read it. And what you'll quickly see is that there's a very clear distinction. There's a distinction between Christians and non-Christians. What, what the, this text, what this letter uh, given by the Holy Spirit through the apostle basically does is it clearly teaches that either we live out of sound doctrine, obedience, and love, or we're not Christians. Either we live the truth, obey the truth, and love in truth, or the text, as you read it, you'll see, makes it very clear we, those, and I don't put myself in that category, I just say it as a friendly way, are not Christians. Christians obey. Christians love. Christians know the truth and do it. When all the basics of the Christian faith are in operation, we thrive. Now, the people who were the original recipients of this letter, this portion of scripture, they were being lied to. They were being overwhelmed with all kinds of things that were not true. And they were hitting them from all kinds of different directions. And that's why the Holy Spirit inspired the apostle to write this epistle, to speak to the people, to get this word from God that is able to free God's people from the lies that easily overwhelm and confuse us. And friends, we should never, we should never be, we should never be surprised by our culture of lies. We live in a culture of lies because we are under, this world is under the dominion of the devil. Listen what Jesus said about the devil in John chapter 8, beginning at verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. Listen to what Jesus said about himself in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's Jesus saying? I'm the ultimate reality of what is true and best. And to follow in my way and to follow in the way of truth is to have life. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And in order to know God as Father and be free from the dead ends, deception, and death of the devil, we must repent and believe the gospel. We have to turn away from self, from this world, and believe the gospel. Now, again, I use this term gospel all the time. It's a biblical term, but a lot of people don't understand it. The gospel is not a command. God doesn't say, here, do, do these things 
And then that'll add up, hopefully, to you earning your salvation. No. (laughs) The good news is a proclamation. It's a statement of fact. And here's the statement of fact. God became flesh. He lived among us. His name was Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a holy life, died for our sins and was raised on the third day and is coming again soon. Please, Lord Jesus, come soon. 2021 would be a great year for the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the Lord. And it it is this God revealed in Jesus Christ that has brought good news. This good news enables us to thrive. Our text shows us what the gospel enables us to do and what thriving looks like, what thriving is. Two things I would encourage you to take note of. And the first one is this. Thriving is choosing transparency. Choosing transparency. And that's harder than it sounds. Because the fact of the matter is, we all want, we want everybody to think we're okay. We want to look okay. We, we want our, our Facebook pictures and Instagram pictures and, and all of our snaps to, to be, you know, communicate one very clear thing. We're awesome. But the fact of the matter is only God is awesome. And the fact of the matter is we're living in a very difficult world and we are struggling with who we are, what we have, and what we're to do. Because if we're honest, sin is still at work and we are far from perfection. No one is perfect. No one can, can earn their way into God's love. No one can get, approach God. God is holy and loving. We are sinful and selfish. Now God can transform us, and he does by the power of the gospel, but we must be willing to change. That's hard. We have to... <laughs> to be willing to change, you know, you got to do, first of all, you got to see the, the need for change. You know what? And our world is telling us, you don't need to change. You're fine. Unless you believe the Bible, then you should change because you're on the wrong side of history. But what our world is constantly telling is, hey, you don't need to change. And, and, and in order to change, though, you got to see the need for change. Then you have to see the means for change. And then you have to be willing to accept those means, which means you have to give up another way. To, to follow in the way of Jesus, you've got to give up another way. And, and many people, first and foremost, we don't want to believe that we need to change. See, most people want to believe that we're fine. Everyone's fine. And if there's something that's wrong, well, it's just a small thing. And the reality is, because we're fine, we need everything else around us to change, including God, to fit what we want. See, that's the big lie. That's the, that's the lie that's being told over and over again. That's the lie that comes at us with every advertisement, with, with every secular song, with every piece that comes out in, 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 in literature and media is we need everyone else to change, especially God, to fit the world we want to be, the, the, to be the people that we feel most comfortable with, to, to have what we want. Here's the great lie of our generation. The great lie of our generation is this. The individual desires of every person are paramount unless they are biblical and wholesome. Let that, let that sit there for a minute. The lie of our generation is this. The individual desires of every person are paramount unless they are biblical and wholesome. 
The basic belief in our society is that any moral demand from God is wrong and to be rejected. And we are constantly being told this lie. And we are not only told to accept it, but we're supposed to tell it. You know, I don't, I don't usually watch commercials, but during the season, we've, we've watched some shows where the, the commercials are there. And I've been astonished with the sinful lifestyles being used by advertisers to sell their products. Just flat out sin to sell. To, that shows a lifestyle and, 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 a, and a way of being that are so contrary to truth. It's, it's, it's stunning to me that movies... Movies will no longer be eligible for awards if they don't fit to the LGBTQ agenda. I should say LGBTQ plus agenda because they're adding lies daily. And there is no way that art now can be celebrated unless it fits into the lies. Here's the new dogma. And I don't write this down. I posted it on, on uh, social media. I'm sure it'll be up and around and I would encourage you to share. Here's the new dogma of deception of our society. It's this, three, three things. Whatever a person wants to live, whatever way a person wants to live is fine. Hey, whatever way you want to live is fine. Whatever kind of person you want to be, it's fine. Whatever a person wants to imagine himself or herself to be is fine. Friends, those are lies. This idea, whatever, a, whatever way a person wants to live is fine. Let me just tell you, happiness is not doing what you want, but what God commands. If you want to be happy, do what God commands. God knows you. God made you. He knows what's best for you. Why would you trust a liar? The father of lies, the, the one who's in dominion over this world, doesn't know what's best, doesn't want what's best. God knows what's best. We don't know what's best. Our, our flesh doesn't know what's best. This idea, whatever kind of person that person wants to be is fine. Friends, gender is not a choice. But what you do with your body is. You, you don't choose your chromosomes or your DNA. You are made what you are, a boy or a girl, but... No matter what desires, no matter how strong those desires are in your flesh, you can choose what you do with your body. And, and just giving in to any desire that your body may have is not going to lead you to happiness. That is a lie of this world. And this whole idea, whatever person wants to imagine himself or herself to be is fine. The truth is, choosing pronouns is playing in pretend. Choosing pronouns is playing in a pretend world that does not exist. A friend shared recently, he was in a restaurant where a waiter, notice the terms I'm using, waiter uh, came up with his name tag. Now, I know saying this, I'm automatically gonna get blackballed from YouTube, that's okay. His name tag had not only his name, but his, his preferred pronouns which were her and she. Friends, pretend pronouns are pretend. Preferred pronouns are pretend. Can I just, let me just say this real clear. Lying to people is not loving. Lying to people and living in their pretend world that is not real is not loving. What is loving is to be 
truthful. To say what is true with love, with grace, with honor. Showing people the integrity that they have because they've been made in the image of God. But not living in their pretend world and acting as though what they are wanting to be is true. Now look, deception is abounding. And when we accept it, that is, when we say the lies of this world are true, then verse 10, look at that, verse 10 becomes true of us. When, when we say the lies of this world are true, and we say everyone's fine, and I'm fine, and I'm not a sinner, and they're not sinning, that's not sin, we make God a liar. And his word is not in us. I believe this is, again, this is what I believe. I believe 2020 will go down as a year when lies became truth and the truth became vilified. This is me. I don't trust our government. This is me. I don't trust media. Not only because of the lies they've told, but because of the truth they've withheld. And someone says, oh, what you're saying is so dangerous. No, what they did was dangerous. And what they have done has created unnecessary division and pain and suffering and loss. It was hard enough with the virus. But when you have politicians and leaders saying, we'll never, never lose the opportunity that pain and suffering brings. And boy, have they capitalized. That would be judgment. But friends, we need to wake up. And here's the simple fact. Jesus Christ is the truth. And we can trust him. And the truth will set us free. Listen, in order to trust him, we must admit that we cannot trust ourselves or anything tainted with sin. Our hearts and the hearts of every person in this world are deceived by sin. Look in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Here's the good news. We can admit that. We can be transparent. We can say, God, I know. I know my nature. My mom and dad never taught me to lie. I did that naturally. Can I get a testimony? Listen, any, any, anyone who has children or grandchildren knows you don't have to teach your children to lie. All you got to do is give them opportunity. And they will because of their nature. We all, and it's, look, we just need to be transparent about it. We all sin. We are not truthful. We are sinful, selfful, selfish creatures. But if we can believe the gospel, we can say what the apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in, in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, once we choose to be transparent about our sin, we are free. We are free. We are free to say, God, you're, you're right, I'm wrong. And that freedom to be transparent leads to the second thing that thriving allows. 
Again, what's our definition of thriving? Let me, let me real quick just put it up. What is thriving? Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God and the contentment to obey God's command, commands while, while trusting outcomes to God's capable care. That, that begins, that thriving begins by being transparent and saying, God, I need you. Help. I'm a sinner. You're holy. Forgive me. Change me. I need you. And after that transparency has happened, the second thing can happen. Thriving is, second thing, choosing transformation. Not only do we choose to be transparent, it's just not, God, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Okay, that's it. No, 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 no. No, no, we're transparent so that we can acknowledge the need, so that we can see the need, and then so that we can apply the need which will change our life. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. And look at that last part. And cleanse us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice the progression. First, we confess. John chapter 10, verse 9. If we confess, but if, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, salvation is a one-time decision. It is immediately to be followed by believer's baptism. If you have not been baptized by immersion, you're not walking in obedience to God, and you need to fix that immediately. What makes you think that you're going to obey God in the hard things when you won't obey him in the very easy things? Someone says, why should I be baptized? Because God said. Because God said. That's enough. And once we're saved, oh, we live this transformed life by the gospel. And what does the gospel do? It will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, the three circles is not just for salvation. It's for sanctification. Now, let me show you again how this works. Once we repent and believe the gospel, we're free to pursue and recover God's design. But the more we pursue and recover God's design, the more we see the sin that is still at work in our flesh and the brokenness that is caused, which leads us to repent and believe the gospel, not for salvation, but sanctification. So we become more like Jesus, transformation. And the more we're transformed in pursuing and recovering God's design, the more we must repent, the more we must be renewed. And this is the work of God. This is the way of God. This is the promise of God. It stands, Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And friends, transformation is not easy. That's why, that's why the Apostle Paul compares it to athletic training in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others... I myself shall be disqualified. Friends, transformation is a workout. Again, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my, as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Christians, we need to work out. We need to be disciplined. Transformation is not easy. Everyone always thinks about, well, I, you know, it's, tw I tw it's New Year's. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to work. I'm going to do. Friends, stop playing around with God. 
work out. Work out your salvation. And good thing is, God's given us a workout plan. It's about carrying a cross. Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. Now, we use a very simple model for our workout plan at Living Hope. Five components to it. Here are the five components of every member of Living Hope's workout plan. Gathering for worship. Connecting with a group. Equipping for growth. Serving the church in the world. Making more disciples. Friends, this is not complicated. Push-ups are more complicated than this. This is easy, but it's not hard. It's, it's sometimes hard to do. Gathering for worship. Doing this. Online, I get it. We're going to continue to do this so long as it is helpful in making disciples. It's better in person. Connecting with the group. I've been begging you for weeks now, months. Get together, three to four, men to men, women to women. Something that's coming up. We're going to give you more information on it. But guys, we're going to get together on Thursday morning, January 28th, 6, 6 a.m. It's so early. Don't, don't, don't get me started. It's a workout. Ladies, Friday night, 7 o'clock, because we love you. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to get together, and we're going to talk about thriving, and we're going to talk about how it is we can go forward. Make that a part of your life. Connect with a group. Equip for growth. Starts with Rudin. We've got two other great ones. We've got the uh, gospel formed. We've got True North. Serve the church. Let me tell you where we need help. Serve the church and world. Serve the church. We need greeters. We need people who will welcome people. It's not hard. You, can be a, you don't have to be a member to do this. Membership, we're about to bring babies through 12th grade back onto this campus. We're going to need lots of leaders. Mom and dad, I'm looking at you. We're going to need to step up to make this happen. So be, be ready. Parents, there's going to be a lot involved with this. So get ready. You're going to be hearing from your leadership soon. And then make more disciples. What's our mission? To impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. Now, I find the best way to do that is to use three big things. It's a very simple process. If you've, been, if you've not been trained in it, call the church. Email me, direct message any minister, and we will train you. This is typically one-on-one, maybe one-on-two training. We have plenty of leaders who will walk you with it. Men with men, women with women. It's a great way for you to make more disciples. Before I end... Let me remind you again, look at it, look up. What's thriving? Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God and the contentment to obey God's commands while trusting outcomes to God's capable care. You cannot thrive without being transparent. Being transparent means you come to God and you say, Lord God, I've sinned, I am a sinner. I need you to forgive me. I need you to make me holy. I need a new life. I need you to guide that life. Thriving, thriving means being transformed by Jesus. You cannot thrive if you're not being transformed by Jesus. It begins with the transparency of being saved and it, and it, and it goes on. It's a workout the rest of your life of being transformed. There's no thriving without it. That's what thriving is. Friends, Are you thriving? Maybe a better question is this. Can you thrive?
can you? Let's pray. Father, here's what I know. Some in this room right now, they cannot thrive because they are not Christians. And I pray right now, God, that they would, they would be saved. Lord God, I pray right now because, because you know our hearts, you hear our hearts. I pray there are some right now in their hearts saying, God, forgive me. Make me holy. Give me a, your life. By the power of the gospel, save me. And God, I pray they will get baptized soon. Lord God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who right now that are not thriving because they're, they're not pursuing you. They're walking in the, the, lives of, the lives of this world. Father God, I pray right now you would hear the hearts of your children asking for forgiveness, asking for discipline, asking for power to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, to do the basic things that lead to transformation. God, I pray that many are committing right now to that. And Father God, many of us know, many of us know, those who are not thriving and they cannot thrive, they're living in sin and they're causing brokenness. Lord, hear us right now as we pray. If you would, right there where you are, pray for someone you know who needs, who needs Jesus to experience this transparency and this transformation. Father God, revival begins with our lives, each of our individual lives being transformed by the gospel. And then an awakening begins and happens through the transformation of one life at a time as people repent and believe the gospel and are saved. We're praying for revival. We're asking for an awakening. We're trusting you to do it. We ask you to do it because we believe this is your desire according to your word. So God, do it. In Jesus' name, amen.